today we are going to talk about the best product. In an interview with Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs claimed that his greatest product was Apple, the organization. Walter says, I once asked Steve Jobs, you know, what product are you proudest of? And I thought he might say the iPod or the iPhone or the iPad, whatever, the Mac. But he said, you know, making a product is hard. But making a team that can continually make products is even harder. The product I am most proud of is Apple and the team I built at Apple. This is an amazing testament from the greatest product man of all time to the difficulty of constructing sustainably high performing teams which go all in and stay all in. One time success can happen by chance but sustainable greatest cannot. It is one of the most difficult accomplishments and the hallmark of something truly special. Besides Apple, ARPA, Advanced Research Projects Agency and Xerox Park, also known as Palo Alto Research Center, are some of the most storied and legendary tech teams of all time, consistently turning out products and services which have become ubiquitous in our everyday lives, such as personal computers, the graphical user interface, the mouse, and what eventually became the internet. Mitchell Waldrop's The Dream Machine is an incredibly fun read, which dives deeply into the details of the people, history and aura around the ARPA and PARC teams. At the helm of these teams were JCR, Lake Lider and Bob Taylor, respectively, and they exhibited some commonalities which I sense are key to all consistently high-performing teams tech or otherwise. So here are these. The first one is getting the air right. Second, attracting, retaining and inspiring the best people and then giving them the freedom and autonomy to run. Third is providing a grand vision which get people to go all in. Fourth, creating a self-sustaining and self-organizing group that can prosper even when the leader steps away. Fifth is inward, always inward. A checklist, while helpful and easy to digest, implies a linear and straightforward model and building out a world-class team is anything but that. This list is not exhaustive of course, but these essential elements must be considered, juggled and honored if your team is to stand a chance of surviving time, competition or entropy of any sort. Let's talk about the first one, getting the air right. Getting the air right means creating and fostering the right environment, the right culture. It is arguably the most important job as a leader. If the culture isn't right, it will be challenging to sustainably and reliably achieve anything of lasting meaning. Lick, as GCR Lick Lider's friend knew him, was exceptional at this. He would say, you always got the sense that Lick was playing. He was like a kid in a candy store. His exploratory and curious childlike mind never went away. He was not suited to be an administrator or manager, but was a visionary and community builder. He encouraged people and showed them what was possible, what they were really working towards. Lick was interested in every domain and was always pulling in new ideas from different fields. He loved novel ideas and would always push himself and others to think about things differently. 
in order to gain new or new or deeper insights when this mentality is exhibited by the leader it provides tremendous freedom to the rest of the team it lets people relax and become more collegial and open it reduces the fear of failure stress and the need for outsized results life becomes more playful flexible organic and fun all key attributes and mindsets when striving to accomplish something significant while lick was playful and creative he also had a hard side and had high expectations of his team he gave his people plenty of space as long as they are doing something interesting and living up to his high standards however if not he could be ruthless and shut down programs that weren't performing even in these difficult situations his team always knew that he was extremely devoted and deeply cared he had been a tribe more than a research group history clearly shows that when leaders possess solid authentic human qualities like trust vision and care their groups tend to go all in and stay all in another remarkable attribute of lix was his lack of personal ego lix optimized for group creativity and productivity and cared very little for personal credit he would give his ideas and insights away for others to work on and publish so that the group as a whole could get more done my ego demands for myself the success of my team said bill russell a great leader is one of the rarest commodities on earth humans are hardwired to seek them out and when found are willing to walk through walls for them lick although he was a terrible manager had enough of the required traits to get the air right attract the best people and set the vision like harry truman said it is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit the second point is about the best people the first high profile project lick worked on was related to acoustics for world war 2 his boss had a simple mantra hire the best people buy them the best machines money can buy inspired them to no end and work them 14 hours a day this mantra worked for lick and it later influenced how he built out and ran his teams most people want to work on meaningful problems with quality people where they can learn grow and impact the world in some positive way in addition to all this lick gave his people trust freedom and autonomy and made sure to reduce bureaucratic frictions so that these top people could spend as much of their time working on important problems rather than on less important administrative tasks this focus of working on the most important problems in their field surrounded by the best people with a bias for speed created a black hole of sorts at arpa starting a positive feedback loop Arpa was able to attract high quality people as they knew that would be able to work on the most important problems with less red tape. This attracted other great people which allowed for more innovation which further attracted the best talent and so on. The third point is about setting the vision. Without a vision others can get behind and fight for a strong culture. and the best people will do less than they otherwise could in arpa's case lick was far ahead of his generation in seeing the computer's potential 
for making computers humane and individual and in democratizing access to information. His vision and treatises on human-computer symbiosis shifted people's understanding of what computers were and could be. It was this vision and how confidently and clearly he could explain it to others that got them to go all in. Lick may have been one of the most intuitive geniuses of all time. He simply saw in his head how information flowed and how people, things and ideas were interconnected. It was this vision that his commitment and utter belief in this future which fueled the fire for these teams and helped them achieve what they did. Lick, while humble and nice, hated sloppy work, glib answers and never took anything for granted. He was mischievous and a little anarchical. He was never satisfied with the ordinary and always pushed the limits. His grounding in psychology was essential for his later work with computers, as he always tried to design the computer and how it functioned to best meet the demands and needs of the humans operating it. Lick approached every problem as a systems problem rather than a detailed or individual problem. In addition, Lick and ARPA were in a fortunate position as there was no budget, no mandate, no charter. This was perfect as they could simply talk about and work on the most important questions and topics as they came up, without being pigeonholed or arbitrarily assigned a specific purpose. Instead, they were able to adjust, adapt and evolve to the constant technological change that was happening. The ability to grow organically towards what was the most promising without having to meet financial targets or milestones gave the team the freedom to pursue what became most viable and exciting given other breakthroughs. This was incredibly powerful and unusual. Most other large groups in a similar position must formalize and specifically lay out what their targets are, in what timelines will they be met and why. These groups end up running the business the business plan rather than the business itself, tying them down and not allowing them to adapt to the situation and context at hand. Lick and ARPA were able to take advantage of a fundamental business and innovation principle. It is all about preparation, not the prediction. They were always in a position to act on new developments and made no effort to predict why, when or how it would happen. This gave them the flexibility and the ability to act faster than anybody else. Even though Lick was admittedly a terrible manager, his vision, technological prowess and the culture he created allowed him to train, mentor and inspire many of the people at ARPA, who later went on to establish and lead Xerox Park, including Bob Taylor. Park was an Eden in many ways, but was allowed them. what allowed them to flourish was the vision, the people and an abundance mentality. The team had money to spend thanks to Xerox's cash cows and they didn't have to jump through the hoops to get it. When there is scarcity, you don't have a community. You just have a bunch of people trying to survive. An unbelievable leaping immersion effect occurs when a team goes all in. This non-linear outcome can occur when you have a trust, a vision, autonomy, ownership and a win-win mindset and ARPA and PARC were able to tap into that. 
Park would rationalize that they were working on according to what Xerox needed. But whenever they would, could phrase an idea to align with this path, everybody's eyes would light up, adding a sort of a resonance frequency. The next point is about beyond the leader. I believe that the truly effective leader sets their group up for success even as they step away, especially when they step away. There are many methods, but steps must be taken while the key leader is still actively involved to make sure that a robust, self-organizing, self-reinforcing, autocatalytic environment is in place. There is of course no guarantee and history shows how difficult it is to create any sort of lasting greatness. But this mindset at least gives you a better chance to sustainably outperform. Lick at Arpa and Bob Taylor Park had to learn how to find a way to get their groups all to move together, to give their groups a sense of cohesion and purpose without crushing their spontaneity and creativity. They had to set things up and create an environment where their people would follow their own instincts and self-organize. This is a fundamental dilemma of management and Lick and Taylor tackled it in different ways. Lick's key realization was that if his visions were to come to fruition, he had to create a self-reinforcing and self-sustaining community between all the different groups who contributed to these projects. This would create a more robust, sustainable team allowing ARPA to prosper even after Lick or other key members stepped away. Lick openly acknowledged the importance of acquiring his successor, even Sutherland. I think maybe the best thing I did was to pick a successor, even Sutherland, who was surely more brilliant than I and very effective and who carried it on. I think that the main thing ARPA has had is a series of good people running an office and a fantastic community. I guess that's the word. It was more than just a collection of bright people working in the field. It was a thing that organized itself a little bit into a community so that there was some competition and some cooperation and it resulted in the emergence of a field. Bob Taylor tried to solve this by spending years traveling and getting to know the cultures of different high-performing groups and he took the time to speak to the youngest people there not only to pick their brains, but to understand what they valued and how he could cater to them. Taylor's style of research can be summed up as, don't just invent the future, go live in it. Don't worry about the cost for now, but whatever you invent, make sure to use it and then show others how to use it and why it's helpful. As Charlie Munger says, I never allow myself to have an opinion on anything that I don't know the other side's argument better than they do. The only mandatory program Taylor initiated at Park was a once-weekly discussion from the program leaders about what they were doing and for an hour the other leaders would have at them. This created a sense of cohesion and purpose and also flushed out ideas that went too far along the wrong path. These meetings often got heated and Taylor would help turn them from class 1 to class 2 meetings, meaning that they would go from yelling at each other, class 1, to having to explain to other sides' position to their satisfaction, that's class 2. 
This worked amazingly well to flush out ideas and improve communication. As important as what to do is what not to do, and the rise and fall of Xerox Park has several archetypal examples that we can learn from. Xerox was growing so quickly in the late 1960s and 70s that they almost choked on their own growth. In order to survive, they had to bring in management, marketing, and finance types, mostly from IBM and Ford. Jim O'Neill became the numbers guy and shut down much of the spontaneous generation and innovation because if it didn't meet his numbers, he couldn't see it and wouldn't buy into it. While this helped them survive their amazing growth, it also reinforced some bad lessons that nothing exists or is useful unless it can be shown and captured on a spreadsheet. Eventually, this led to the demise of Xerox Park and a golden era of research and innovation. When sales and finance make all the shots, the company is on a downward spiral that they are not able to innovate or think long term. As Michael Abrashoff says, why do people leave an organization? I always thought that low pay would be the first reason, but in fact, it was the fifth. The top reason was not being treated with respect or dignity. The second was being prevented from making an impact on the organization. Third, not being listened to. And fourth, not being rewarded with more responsibility. Apple, Arpa, Xerox Park, and select others have been able to tap into the funnel and incentivize human nature, enabling them to create nimble, innovative, and thriving organizations. While inspiring, it is also humbling. History has shown how difficult it is to be at the top of the game for any sustained period of time. As organizations grow, they sow the seeds of their own demise. On the flip side of every strength lies a weakness. This pendulum of life holds as true for these organizations as any other. But their very existence and the commonalities they share should be encouraging. They show us it is possible to change the world and put off the powers of creative destruction for long periods of time. Thank you very much.